Here we go again. Thank you for joining us for another episode of Pock Talk. And if this is your first time, welcome. I hope you enjoy the show. And if you do enjoy the show, make sure to share it with your friends. And also make sure to review us on iTunes and Stitcher and rate us five stars. I know we say this all the time, but you don't understand. It's really important. Those reviews are crucial. And we want to stay relevant. We want to move up in the ranks. We have big plans, huge plans for the show. Uh, and we need your help. We need your help to get there. So, again, it only takes 90 seconds. So head on over to iTunes and just do us a favor. We'd really appreciate it. I do want to apologize because I know this episode dropped a little bit late this week. Um, and, you know, we're making a lot of changes here at Pog Talk. So uh, there's a lot of moving parts, a lot of kinks that need to be worked out, a lot of details. Um, and we're, we're working those out. We're trying to uh, crank these episodes out in the future. We're going to try to crank these episodes out on time. Um, but, uh, yeah, we just got a lot of stuff going on. Uh, but we're trying our best, and everybody's got everybody's got you know their own lives, their own stuff going on. So, you know, it's hard. So bear with us, bear with us. Uh, we got a new space, and we got a new sound engineer. Shout out to Naldo. You may have heard him. He was on Courtney's episode. Uh, he's going to be jumping in and out of the mic. Uh, but if you don't hear from him, he's still putting in work. He's still cutting the episodes. So, uh, shout out to Naldo. Thanks, Naldo. Uh, you are the shit. This is the first time that we're recording video, too. So, yeah, it's going to be really interesting. I come from a video and film background myself, but I've never done something like this. So it's going to be really interesting to see how this progresses. We don't even know if we're going to release it yet. Uh, and if we do, we don't know where it's going to go. And we don't know when it's going to go out. So I would say... Uh, uh, follow us on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter and just on all our channels if you haven't already done so so that we can keep you posted and let you know when that goes up and so that you, just so that you can keep in, in touch and you can um, follow us and see what what we have planned and see what we all the cool stuff that uh, we're going to be bringing you in the future you know we had something a little different planned for this week but after last week's announcement that President Obama's executive order DACA, and that means that stands for Deferred Action for Childhood Arrivals, um, was rescinded. We thought it was appropriate and even necessary uh, for us to uh, talk about this and um, for you to, for us to learn a little bit more about how this announcement is going to affect folks. And if you're like me and you're not too well informed, you're definitely going to learn a lot from this episode and uh, from our guest. This week, we got a chance to speak to Melody Klingenfuss, and uh, she is, she works for CHIRLA, and CHIRLA stands for the Coalition of Humane Immigrant Rights, and she is their um, California Dream Network statewide youth organizer, and she's a devoted advocate for human and immigration rights. The interesting thing is that she is herself a DACA recipient, so she's personally going to be affected by this uh, government move. And she's been working nonstop since last week, like like hustling. She's trying to, you know, because there's a lot of a lot of emails, a lot of phone calls. People are, you know, scattered. People don't know what to do. People are panicking. And so she's been working really hard, and she's been organizing meetings and um, rallies, et cetera. Uh, so it's it's she's been nonstop, and uh, her story is really powerful, man. Uh, I mean, this girl, 
she graduated from college. She completed her undergrad in two years and went on and uh, did her master's in one year. And, uh, you know, she's been killing it. She's been killing the game, man. And um, it really, our conversation really opened my eyes and in a sense made me count my blessings because, uh, you know, there are people around us who are working hard and they're doing everything they got to do. They're doing everything right. They're just trying to better themselves and their situation and maybe their family situation. And, you know, then the rug just gets pulled out from under their feet. And it's not fair. It's really not. Not if you're, you know, a humble person and you're just putting in work and, you know, doing what you got to do. Um, you know, so there's a lot of people like that. A lot of people that you went to school with, you know, and um, maybe they didn't know up until you were going to graduate. They were seniors. They were going to graduate from high school. That they're, they're told they're applying for college. And all of a sudden they're told, hey, you're not like everyone else. Your situation is different. You know, it doesn't matter with all, the, all your track record and everything that you've been doing. And we need to learn about these stories. We need to, we have, I think we have a responsibility as not only people of color, even if you're not a person of color, like you have a responsibility as a human being to learn about these people and to help them out and use your privilege to help other people out. And, and I do want to thank Melody for coming on our show and giving us the time and allowing us to share her story on our platform. You're an inspiration to us all, man. And I mean, she gets out of work. She gets up every morning, goes to work, and her job is literally to help people. And, uh, you know, she shared with us what we can do to help. Uh, so if you have any questions or if you know anybody that needs assistance, needs advice, uh, reach out to Melody. She provided her information on the, at the end of the show. And we'll also plug it on our website and on our, so, and our social channels. So... Uh, if you need uh, her assistance, reach out to her. She'd be more than willing to help. But anyway, um, yeah. So without further ado, this is Melody, and this is Episode 9 of Pog Talk. You've had an interesting week, huh? Yeah, it's been back to back. How's that been? Since Tuesday? It was pretty crazy. People warned me about burning out, you know, really quickly. Um, what was your? What was the first thing you did? That announcement came out. And we'll um, so we had been preparing for a week before. We did an action every day before September 5th, um, before Trump made the, well, before Sessions made the decision on DACA, public. So we had been at it every single day of the week before, protesting from 8 a.m. to about 11 p.m., uh, you know, telling people that you need to come out, right, to defend the program. It was like we were crying wolf, like no one believed us. Um, so it was really, really intense, and, you know, I'd love to talk more about it so people can become aware. Where were you? Were you, announcement yeah. was were you guys oh, at work? Yeah. Were you guys all watching? Yeah, we you guys knew it was happening. Yeah, we saw it was coming. Um, we, you know, we understood what that moment meant for Sessions, who has opposed basically every single immigration reform before that. And so for him to have that moment to, quote unquote, kill um, the dreams of so many people who have DACA, I mean, it was like a triumph for him. 
And at the same time, for us, it was a wake-up call for our communities to have a plan. Have you been in the office, like, like oh, yeah. the, the whole time? Yeah. Um, I was there the whole time. And back then, but I, I didn't have time to, like, grieve or anything um, because they just threw me into the press conference, you know, me coming out as a face for undocumented youth. And, you know, I didn't have a time to really process it till at like 11 p.m. that day so it was just like thrown into the action so let's back up a little bit and tell us a little bit about you and what you do and mm-hmm. how you know how you got to this point yeah. uh yeah i can start with my story of self please um, <laughs> please so my name is melody and i was born in guatemala i was born in this in the capital city um, to a teenage mom and she you know was having a lot of struggle to raise me so she decided to come to los angeles uh with my grandma um so they can send money back so that you know you were up there you were there yeah so i stayed back and then um they left me with my grandpa but uh, soon afterwards he died Mm -hmm. so then i became an orphan um and it was very difficult because uh, you know it was a really small town like it's not even on google maps (laughs) all the streets are dirt and what's the town uh san cristobal frontera jutiapa from yeah, so it's right in the frontier. Okay, how far is that from Cito Las Flores? Because uh, that's where my mom's from. Uh, it's pretty, it's kind of close. Okay. It's the same department. Oh, so okay. It goes, it's kind of like a state. So it's like the same state. So like Las, Las Flores is basically like, it's like a village on a, like going up a mountain mm-hmm. to the yeah. border of El Salvador. Yeah, so I grew up in the frontier with El Salvador. Okay, so that's mm-hmm. where. Yeah, super close. Yeah. Um. So you w- we would just jump from like, country to country yeah and then i knew every tuesday at 7 p.m i had to be there to call my mom uh i still remember the phone number that i had to dial because we didn't have the uh, international phones in guatemala so i remember i would like i would take myself as a four-year-old five-year-old like to the other country and then dial my mom and talk to her on a payphone yeah oh wow i still remember the number was yeah i could i could seriously memorize it in my in my head i know it in spanish how how, when did you when was um, How long were you there? Yeah, so I was there till I was nine years old uh, when I was brought to the U.S. Uh, and it was just, you know, they told me, oh, you're going to go meet your mom. And it was like a huge culture shock because we didn't even have, I never even seen the beach. So, you know, I saw the beach for the first time here. There were palm trees here. I remember like, I was like, why are there palm trees everywhere? Like, but the thing, the hardest part was uh, English. Yeah, I was. I went through like really hard depression when I, I was like nine years old, and I didn't want to like go to school because I didn't know that language. And people, the kids were nice; like they wouldn't translate anything for me. <laughs> <laughs> so I remember I just started reading a lot. I read all the Goosebumps books, all the in Spanish or in English. In English. Oh, in English. Yeah, okay, cool. To teach myself. And I How long did that take? I learned English in six months because I would read and I would translate and then read and then write and then translate again. And then I read The Great Gatsby when I was like t- 10 because I saw the the book cover was of a pretty lady and I wanted to know what it said. And so <laughs> I just pushed myself to teach myself the language. It was You read The difficult. Great Gatsby in, in ten, in when you were 10? Yeah, I didn't understand a yeah. lot of it, but I, I liked it because, it, I mean, they were more like, it's a, it's a smaller book and I would translate it. So that really helped me to learn the language. And my mom was working, you know, full time. So she barely had any time to, like, teach me. And 
nobody was gonna help me out <laughs> so i had to take it upon myself and afterwards like i just got honors um like in all, all, all the education levels like middle school high school just killing it killing it <laughs> but uh it was very difficult when high school came around and this is a story where a lot of my story like merges in with a lot of undocumented students how long how many undocumented <laughs> was there a lot of undocumented kids did you see a lot uh, of the a oh lot no. of it growing well, up okay or, well, what were you like a, like one out of yeah well nationally um 65,000 undocumented students graduate high school every year so 65,000 um most of them most of us don't find out we're undocumented till we're 17 literally maybe eight nine like when months you're applying to college, when probably. you're going for a driver's license when you are trying to get a know, paper trail going trying bank to account. apply oh, yeah. for Some, documentation oh, wow. oh yeah but do you need do you need one to get a bank account what? do you need like a social or anything to get so a yeah for so things like that what do you like what would you besides like a license and a it's so funny, right? Because it's one of the things you don't notice when you have it, right? Yeah. Like me, I don't. I, I, yeah. I don't know what I use my social for and what I don't. I just know that it's there, and that's such a different experience. Yeah. So undocumented folks do not have a social security, but uh, I, I can talk about it more when we get into DACA, because once you once you do have DACA, you do get some of yeah. those benefits. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. It's. Yeah, so but did you have a lot of kids like that were? No, only a, yeah, no. I didn't know any other undocumented students, so I felt very alone. And I, when I was seventeen, and I was applying to college. I was like, "What do you mean I don't have the same rights as everybody else?" <laughs> yeah, if well, I got I'm, my whole education here. And I'm sure you knew other doc- undocumented students. You didn't know you did. You yeah, know, of yeah. Course. We don't come out, quote unquote, of the shadows because first off, the counselors we didn't understand that we cannot go through the same process to apply for college, so we don't qualify for a waiver. People don't understand that our reality completely shifts because we cannot travel. We come to understand that, you know, I, I cannot go to another state. You know, they have a lot of high school programs where you travel mm-hmm. and you do like a lot of like politician like uh, programs. Right. But we couldn't do that. I couldn't do that. And then you really start thinking, like, is going to higher education going to pay off? If I cannot work, if I cannot get a car, if I cannot get a license. Mm-hmm. And so that's when DACA came around. How old are you? changed everything. I was well, so DACA was signed into life by President Obama in 2012. June 15, 2012. Applications started coming in August 15, 2012. I was 18 at the time, um, but I didn't get DACA till 2015 because my country, Guatemala, complicated the whole process. Long story. But most everybody got their DACA in 2012. I mean, there were rows, blocks of people lining up to get And what DACA. were the requirements at the time? So for those of you who, you know, are not familiar with DACA, DACA is, stands for the Deferred Action for Childhood Arrivals. DACA is an executive order, which means that it's very fragile, which means that even if Obama woke up the next day when he was president, he could have ended the program within 15 minutes. And administratively, he could have done that. So the program was basically um, an opportunity for people who came in, one, before the age of 16. So if you came into the U.S. the day after you turned 16, you don't qualify um, uh, to actually have some sort of status here. Um, A second requirement was to have a clean record. So you go through, like, the whole fingerprint with USCIS. I mean, you have to have... Mm -hmm 
like impeccable like even a, a you know a ticket or anything like mm-hmm. that could have been some reason for them to say no to you um number three you need to ha- pay a 495 dollar fee that's uh asked for every two years so the permit was good for two years some folks have permits for three years because there was like a messed up in the system but let's talk about the two-year mm-hmm. one and then um you have to have um, education here. So like your GED, your high school diploma, and then you have to prove that you were here when Obama made the announcement on June 15, 2012, which if you went to school was easy to, to say. Mm-hmm. You also need to have uh, proven that you had continuous residence here. So those are the main requirements. Um, and then once you receive DACA, the benefits that you receive are one, uh, you get your uh, social security number, which you can use um, for working, mm-hmm. for like opening bank accounts, applying to scholarships, like housing applications, anything like that. But most importantly, it was like the work permit, right? You get your work permit, um, you get your license, um, you bas- you get just some sort of quote unquote protection from deportation. So that was like the one of the biggest benefits that we got. Mm-hmm. Um, however, um, because it was an executive order, because it was a deferred action, it wasn't a law. And so it was always fragile from the beginning. And um, more than 800,000 people, including myself, have DACA. And they come from all different backgrounds. Like, this isn't like a Latino issue. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not like people need to understand that. That I mean, the third largest group who has DACA are Koreans. So they, you know, they, the undocumented folks who apply for DACA, come from all over the mm-hmm. world okay mm-hmm. <laughs> so uh okay. yeah i think um it's important to go over a little bit like you know why why what 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 it means when we're saying like an executive order is like more fragile right yeah. um i think that that's something people don't really understand so um in our constitution the way our government is set up right we have a um, executive branch judicial and a legislative branch um, and they're each functioned with different tasks right um the legislative branch passes laws and you know get written into um, into law and legislature. The judicial branch uh, does checks and balances and makes sure that everybody stays within the rule of law. And executive, um, the branch kind of, you know, does all the, drives a ship, I guess I would say, you know, like determines the direction that a lot of um, pol- policy and relations with uh, other nations and treaties and things like that go. So the only people that really have the power to make laws um, our legislators, the legislative branch. And for about a decade, I would say even more, Congress failed to come up with a solution that would um, give people a pathway to citizenship, right? We've, we've heard this, this conversation of, about immigration reform and pathway to citizenships for a long time. And, and, you know, even back in the Bush administration, we remember these conversations happening. And for 10 plus years, Congress failed to really deliver anything that could pass and and, um, people came into agreement upon. So Obama then decided to step in and he decided that if something wasn't going to happen in Congress, if they couldn't pass a bill, that he was going to take action to create a a system and a practice that um, allowed people to have an identity and and have have something to protect them and be able to contribute and be able to contribute to the economy and our society and and get degrees Just function as citizens as function as american citizens um but it was never a law because he doesn't have that um that power so 
Um, so was there was there a an alternative? Was there a backup plan in case it was going to be pulled back? In case it, it was something like this happened? Was, was there, there wasn't ever? there wasn't a backup plan not only for DACA but also for TPS. I think a lot of this converse these conversations tend to. What's TPS? Uh, so Sorry. TPS is uh, temporary protection status. Okay. Uh, so TPS is is it's, it works sort of like a refugee program, but it basically grants. Um, almost the same benefits as DACA. It works almost the same as DACA um, for about 10 nations, and the most prominent ones that we know are Haiti and El Salvador. Okay. So if these people experience some sort of violence or their life was in danger, especially you know, in El Salvador with the yeah. civil war that just you know, More happened. like a refugee status. Yes, yeah. it would so grant them this status. And was this was both implemented on the same, no, the same time? TPS, no, TPS has been around for 20 years, okay. and there was never a backup plan because you know I think people were like, well... These people are fleeing for their lives. You know, these people are here to be protected. So, of course, no one will have the heart to end the program. And here we are almost (laughs) with the year ending and TPS is agonizing right now. And I think so, too. It's not very American to take people's rights away. Generally, you know, we might have different eras where people have had different levels of rights, but we don't generally in our history see people's rights being taken away. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, So I just don't think that there was a backup plan because they didn't think that it would ever be threatened in this way yeah and, and same with daca like you know we, yeah we thought that i mean who would have the heart <laughs> yeah to uh affect 800 almost 8 million people you know Young who are people. just here yeah to get a better future so so but what what is the reasoning and in, in other words like what um what are the pros and the cons of you know of, of having daca how how what are the benefits of having daca and what and um no, I'm just trying to f- understand the reason, the reasoning for why he would he would yeah, take it away. Oh, but it's a, it's all political. They're oh, like, yeah. you know, they they can come up and say that um, that it was draining our resources and that people we were taking jobs, we were taking jobs but. Um, you know that's not based in fact it's rhetoric it's political it there's no there's no justification that can be given as to why it was and how, how much of a uh, 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 how much of an impact does it have on the economy so yeah taking away daca um like each week so far um from what i've uh, I've, I've done interviews with um senator Kamala Harris with her staff, you know, they reached out to um, Chirla, and w- which is the Coalition for Humane Immigrant Rights, which is the organization that I work for. And so far, this was uh, about three weeks ago, they estimated there was there were going to be about 40,000 jobs lost every week. Um, I mean, millions of dollars lost, not only because, you know, jobs will no longer be there for people because they could not work, but also that $495 fee, it's not coming in anymore. But I think more than that, and, you know, it's awesome to talk about the financial impacts and that and, and obviously they're transparent and they're clear but i think the undocumented community is also tired of just being uh, numbers, numbers because we act, this, is, this is like our actual life mm-hmm. here in the u.s you know who uh, us like i have a master's degree from the top four university in the nation and if that U- university of southern california usc but fight on <laughs> but even, even if i had that right even if i have that what is going to happen yeah. to my community once that ends the other reason that they tried to end daca was okay on it well 
in their basis, um, it was because DACA was unconstitutional. So there were 15 states, I'm sorry, there were 10 states led by Texas State Attorney General that basically told this administration, okay, you have until September 5th to rescind the program because it's unconstitutional. And if you don't do it, then we're going to move forward with the, with the lawsuit. And then the Department of Justice then gets a saying to uh, say, okay, we'll defend the program or we're not. The Department of Justice is headed by Sessions. So obviously he wasn't going to defend the program. So that's why they um, came out last Tuesday, September 5th, which was a deadline given to them to just rescind the program by March 5th, 2018. So it's like, we call it a sunset end to it. So it wasn't immediate, right? It wasn't like, okay, your DACA is completely expired. No more anything, no more any benefit from DACA that you received. Um, they, they said that yeah, we have until March 5th, 2018, which also gives us a lot of time, six months to make a lot of change happen and actually have a permanent solution. Yeah. And I've heard that, you know, people say that, um, if there's any silver lining, it's the hope that Congress can actually pass something that will be a law and actually be um, something permanent, something permanent, st- yeah, st- and st- guaranteed st- and on paper and you know like a, p- a real pathway to citizenship. So, um, you know, if if we're wondering what can we do, um, ensuring that that happens um, would be a step in the right direction. What is, can you talk a little bit about what Chirla is? Yes, so. And and how you got involved. Yes, Mm -hmm. I would love to do that. Um, So, you know, while I was going through school, like, we know I was talking, like, I was 17. I found that I was undocumented. It was a bat to the face, you know, that I didn't have the same rights as others. And, yeah, I froze for a second, but then I was like, no, then what can I do about this? So I started researching and, like, understanding what California had, you know, to offer it for me because I knew that we were a progressive state compared to other states and so I started looking into all these laws and I came upon this bill called AB 540 and AB 540 uh, was signed into life in 2002 by um, Governor Davis and it was a monumental step in the right direction so AB 540 gave in-state tuition to undocumented students which made sense because we were here, you know, all our lives. And then when we got to college, they were trying to charge us out-of-state tuition because we didn't have citizenship. But it didn't make sense because we had our education here for California. Anyways, long story short, <laughs> AB540. You grew up, you, you became up LAUSD, right? Yeah, so I grew up all over, yeah. Uh, every oh. school I went to was LAUSD. Oh, okay. So and this was a reality education. of so you many You are technically students. a uh, California resident. Yeah, I mean, basically we're Americans just without the legal piece of paper. And uh, the the law allowed me to pay, you know, afford Cal State LA. So I could have gone anywhere. I had the the grades to go anywhere. I had a four point But you couldn't. It didn't matter how how uh, clean your academic resume is. You don't have access to things like the Pell Grant and federal yeah, loans exactly. and things like that. Exactly. And this was, and then we can also talk about the California Dream Act, which didn't kick in until 2013. I graduated 2012. But I knew that if I invoked AB 540, that I could at least still afford Cal State, right? I had to, quote unquote, settle for that. And it was really difficult. It was like a mental battle because all my all my friends were like, what schools did you apply to? Or, oh, I'm moving in, you know, it's moving day. And for me, it was like, 
and they, they expected me to say like you know I was going to Berkeley or USC. And or you UCLA. did well in school, right? And you yeah, did I well. had a so you, sh- Yeah, you're. I took six AP classes. I was involved in ROTC for years. I had zero period for four years. I was at school at six a.m. every day. I mean, <laughs> I did everything you know that everybody. Everything else did. that everybody tells you to do, right? Yeah, of everything course. everybody says, like mm-hmm. get your education. It doesn't matter what people um, can take from you; they can't take that away. You know, like I. There's a, there's a lot of things that we identify with the American dream and like for a lot of us like getting our education is like definitely one of them, you yeah. know. Yeah, of course. And to come to the realization that, you know, people were quote unquote living my dream was mm-hmm. very difficult. So I was 18 coming to terms with this reality, applying to school and I couldn't work at a quote unquote good job. I had to work at a really really low wage job i worked from nine to seven in the alleys in downtown la for 45 dollars and i mean i had like uh, what is it called when you get those things on your hand um, calluses yeah calluses just from like moving mopping, shit mopping doing all the everything crazy labor and and i believed and i had to do that because i had to pay for my bus you know i couldn't get a car for my bus for my car for my tuition because i didn't know i qualified for scholarships i knew i qualified for institute tuition but i didn't know about scholarships mm-hmm. And my high school counselor, you know, they, they didn't know what undocumented was. And I didn't know how to how come does out. You, yeah, how does a school <laughs> handle that? They don't. <laughs> well, I'm sure maybe now there are, there's yeah. a little bit more um, language yes. and practice around it. But um, schools really don't know. You know, And I think, like, public schools are a whole nother issue where we talk about how um, – they you know treat everybody the same and how you know good kids get put in the front of the classroom you know different different things but um they really don't they're and they're not right they're not there to like be like social workers you know so but they don't really have any any idea how to handle these things yeah these schools you know are not capacitated to um guide and document i'm not saying every school but most of them still are not capacitated to help undocumented students in the way that they apply for college and does ab540 so for ab540 you need to sign an affidavit and there's like it's like a re- it's a one paper it's like a one page thing and if you sign the wrong thing you have to you have to pay out of state tuition so i literally you know i was so scared to turn it in to cal state la what is it it's an affidavit. Right. It's literally so, a contract. So you're getting it from like a, from like a, a lawyer? From school. No, from you just get it from school. You okay. can find it anywhere, by the way, AB540 affidavit. Um, if, you know, you know, an undocumented Is student. Is it like, a, like, are you signing rights away? Or are you you're not sign- really signing your rights. You're just saying that you have gone through school for three years in California. And you're saying that eventually when you do have the chance to fix your status, you'll fix your status. Okay. But the statements on the paper are really confusing. And so just um, the, the wording, the yeah. wording, it says like I am a non non citizen or alien and they still call us aliens, which is crazy. But, uh, you you know, you just need to talk to your a counselor that's knowledgeable about this, that is actually sure about this. But if there's anybody here there out there, you cannot be denied entry into a California uh, like university on the basis of your status. You still have rights, even though you're undocumented. OK, I have two questions. Yeah. Um, <laughs> are there multiple places for you to sign? Um, there's just, it's literally one paper, but the boxes, there's only like two statements. Okay. Um, but, and then, um, you have to ask for this status. You're not just, the schools are not just obligated to To give you you this status or tell you anything about it. I mean, if there's, if there was, if the people want to help you, right, they can tell you, but they're not like. Obligated. Is, this, is this your school or the school that you're applying and to? And schools school in the states, right? Okay, so like you, the university, like university the, yeah. or CSU, the college, the, the community okay. college. I see. So you have to sign the 
AB540 affidavit. So some people say, oh, I'm an AB540, which means I'm an undocumented student. So they identify with the term. Wow. Other people just say I'm a dreamer. And that has been a word that has been used a lot since 2012 for the Dream Act, and I'll talk about the Dream, the California Dream Act right now. Not everybody identify them identifies themselves with the term dreamer. Okay, so what do you? Sorry, what do you label yourself? What are you? I'm, uh, I do identify myself with the word dreamer, but now that um, I'm working with Chirla, I identify myself more with the word organizer and i'll talk about what the word that we do too some people don't like the word dreamer because they feel like it's just an illusion and it Mm -hmm. also leaves a lot of students or a lot of people People, who don't go to school out of the loop who are still undocumented but didn't go to higher education so it just really depends you know just to be conscious uh, you, you know we can just refer to undocumented students as undocumented folks right to be inclusive of gender pronouns also um but if the person identifies himself as a dreamer, yeah, you might yeah. be welcome to, you know. Um, but it leaves out a significant portion of people who n- who n- came here as children. So they could be in the workforce. Are contribu- yes, yeah, are in the workforce. But they're, they're not, contributing they didn't go to college. Yeah, right, or they're exactly. not studying, so they're, Or they didn't go into the military. Because exactly. that's something, oh. too, that we, we don't talk about as much, is that a lot of people who got their DACA status taken away are people who enrolled in the military yeah. um, and have served t- uh, huh. tours. Um, they were also... G- there was it was also said that if you um, applied for DACA and came out of the shadows and you went into the service that you would be given um, protection. So what 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 uh, what funding did you get for school? Um, so so the California Dream Act kicked in. It was passed 2012. It didn't kick in until 2013. And the California Dream Act is a law in California that allows undocumented students to get in-state tuition. So we cannot apply for FAFSA, Pell Grants, but we can get... Uh, is AB 540 the the California Dream Act? No. They're different. They're, okay. So, yeah, you see they're independent yeah. from each other. Okay. But you see there's... It's like a Con- whole yeah. other... Yeah, this is... I'm learning universe. so much. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, but people do... Us, but they do come in hand mm-hmm. in hand. But Dreamer, like, the Dream Act and AB 540 are both California. They're in California. Yeah. Cool. Got so... It. California Dream Act in-state tuition. AB, I'm sorry, California Dream Act in-state financial aid. Oh, okay. AB 540 in-state tuition. Okay. Right? But they go hand in hand because if you get if you qualify for AB 540, which is in-state tuition, you most likely qualify for the California Dream Act in-state financial aid. Mm-hmm. Now, within AB 540, we do forget that the team, like the group who made that movement happen, when it was undocumented and very afraid, you know, now we hear undocumented and unafraid. Back then it was undocumented and very afraid. They were so smart to have like a little extra foundation in AB 540. So through AB 540, there's two sisters bills, AB 130 and AB 131, that allow undocumented students to get um, institution scholarships. So undocumented students cannot be denied scholarships um, from institutions unless, you know, their requirement is that you are a U.S. citizen, Then in in which case you cannot apply. But it allows California universities, community colleges, whatever, you name it, to give scholarships to undocumented students. And that's how I was able to pay um, and other organizations, not not necessarily schools. So I got four scholarships. um, Private? mm -hmm, Private and from school, from Cal State L.A., Um, it was, I mean, it paid everything uh, for me, but at the same time, 
uh, that first semester, I had to pay working those really low wage jobs we were talking about because I didn't know I, didn't, I qualified. Right? I taught myself how to read into the law and I was like, oh, I can get scholarships. OK, free money for being smart. Yeah. That's cool. And so I started like, yeah, you have access everywhere. to all these yeah. things that yeah. everybody else has life. access to. Resources, yeah. Man. And um, that that you know that changed my life also. So I I never used the Dream Act. I wanted others to for institution. I wanted others to have that money because you know I was able to get four scholarships that paid my ride for undergrad. Graduate school is another story that we can get yeah. into. Yeah, but <laughs> it's a whole different world. Yeah, it's a whole different world. Um, and you're going to SE now. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I just finished. Oh, and you yeah. went to SE. Well, those loans. Yeah, <laughs> but I, I paid. Uh, I finished my undergrad in two years, so I graduated when I was 20. Um, because I got. Um, you graduated undergrad. Yeah, from At Cal 20. State. In yeah. two years. Jesus, yeah. congratu- that's, congratulations! That's insane. Yeah, what, did, what did you do? What did you study? Communications and political science, and I did a thesis on the representation of undocumented students in the LA Times. Um, so that was pretty cool um, but through that right when I graduated I was like, okay so what now I can't work because <laughs> I don't have um, I, I didn't have DACA I still didn't have DACA um, and so I wanted to get involved and because I did that thesis I knew I wanted to get into undocumented student w- issues what was the thesis right, oh the representation of undocumented students in the LA Times so I did a content analysis so it was more like quantitative so I did my own coding, and I basically coded 200 articles to see the way that undocumented students were portrayed in mass communications. Hmm. So you're um, looking at, you're looking at Times, what type of media right? are you looking at? Are you looking, looking at, just, at LA LA Times. LA Times. just LA Times. Just LA yeah. Times. Got it. Yeah, I was just looking. Because I actually find? had the, the uh, files where I could actually yeah. see everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everything's archived, right? Yeah, yeah. Exactly. so that was really helpful. So how far, how far did you go back? Uh, 1985, so right before there was immigration reform with Reagan, uh, right before um, Proposition 187 in California, which that's how uh, my aunts got here. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. That's uh, that's about the same time where we really started having this immigration talk, right? Uh, immigration. I mean, Proposition 187 was going to deny any services to children of immigrants. So, like, if you know you're a child of an immigrant family, you couldn't go to school, you couldn't get health access, anything. And that was a pushback, uh, you know, against Proposition 187. And that's really when California became more progressive. And, you know, this is where we are now, which we still have a long way to go, but we really are an example to the rest of the Yeah, nation. you really are. I mean, I'm from Arizona, and oh I feel like, oh our, my God, I, you know, you guys, you guys had AB <laughs> wait, 540 wait, wait. Arizona? You guys had a bill to, you know, give... A, a, young kids in-state tuition, Arizona actually passed a law to deny undocumented students in-state tuition, you know? So it's just like, um, you know, you, it's like, and yeah, I'm sure my friends who were undocumented, like, had such a different reality than I did, you know, growing up and the things that I got access to, you know, just for having papers. And then they're in this state that doesn't even... Uh, provide any kind of like relief to them yeah, so there was a lot of you know just a lot of laws that made it okay to be profiled just by the color of your skin in arizona and then the pardon of arpaio i mean you can pardon him but oh, you it's a slap in the face <laughs> oh it's all all of these things right <sighs> i mean i don't understand how we can deny this guy's racism like right. how we can because like look at the things he did in one week he he pardon joe arpaio who was charged with criminal contempt of court and then jeff sessions but like like repeals daca it makes no sense it's like all it's all fueled by racism because how in one instance can like this man who okay like how we're talking like jeff sessions is is the attorney general of the of the department of justice 
Jorah Pio violated those laws, like his <laughs> direct laws to say, like, you cannot continue to racial profile these people. And once he continued to do that, he was a criminal and broke the law, you know, and it's and then we can sit here and say, oh, these dreamers have done no harm on their own. But, you know, but we're going <laughs> to we're going to take away their rights and their yeah ability to have a, a life in yeah. this country and i don't know if it's like an obsession to like end anything that obama yeah. ever did I, before that's what it seems like yeah it was like let's just forget about the last eight years yeah. right just erase it yeah and no, that, forget about the last hundred years sure, okay yeah. you know like yeah. reagan reagan pardoned uh, and gave amnesty to like a mass group of people in 1985 and here we are taking people's rights away like we're not, this isn't a, like going back the last hundred, uh, like eight years. This is going way, more way deeper than that. Yeah. Damn. Uh, well, and then, but you know, at the same time, having these conversations and with whatever is happening, um, I, I really think there is a tone of like waking up now. And mm-hmm. I know it may be too late, but for, you know, maybe DACA. But there's still so much more we can do. So, I mean, I was really lucky to come into Chirla. Can After my undergrad, yeah. Is. Oh yeah, well, is, yeah. <laughs> let's get back to that. Uh, this is a whole universe cool. of conversation. No, that's how. That's how, it <laughs> that's, how it, that's how they usually yeah, go. They yeah, usually go. yeah. We got an hour, so. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, I, I've been. Uh, but so we're I learning a lot. Too. Yeah. Okay. Good. Yeah. yeah. So. Well, I am. I finished I'm early. I'm taking notes. Okay. Good. <laughs> <laughs> I finished early, and so I wanted to get involved, and I really wanted to understand my rights beyond what you know Cal Sterle was offering me, what the system was offering me, and. I came across an organization called Chirla, uh, which is the Coalition for Humane Immigrant Rights of Los Angeles. Um, they dropped Los Angeles to be more inclusive, so it's not just. So you guys co- have different chapters now. Yes, so okay. we have different. We have uh, offices here in downtown LA, uh, South LA. We just opened one two weeks ago. We have an office in Sacramento, uh, Porterville. We were all over the place. Um, in California, or are you guys outside? In California, just right now in California so far. Um, so we do. So we're the Coalition for Humane Immigrant Rights. And there, I, there are other organizations. Oh yeah, there's this, right? amazing yeah. nonprofit mm-hmm. organizations in LA. Um, us, we have been spearheading the movement for immigrant rights since '86. So we were created in '86 oh, wow. as a coalition of you know people who were coming together to really rise up um, for immigrant rights. And we have evolved, you know, so much since then. But our mission has always been to create a society inclusive and just for immigrants. And um, some of the work that we've been doing, you know, it was AB 540, it was the California Dream Act, it was AB 60, which grants immigrants licenses um, to still, you know, drive in California. Uh, we, I mean, we have done all the work to really push forward for immigration reform, right? Our, I mean, our end goal is to become obsolete someday, right? Where immigration mm-hmm. reform passes and, you know, we, we all have a just society for people from all over the world for immigrants. And there was a program underneath Chirla, which is a college component, and it's called the California Dream Network. And the California Dream Network changed my life and it made me who I am today. And so within, so the California Dream Network works under Chirla, but we also do a lot of our own type of movement. And we're our, we're the largest network of undocumented students in California. So there's about 37 campuses. So the campuses um, do their own work. So they, you know, there's undocumented student groups within each campus. And they do their own work in the school, but they join a statewide movement for undocumented rights. 
because the bigger picture is not just to make change on these different campuses. Mm-hmm. The bigger picture is to make change across the state. And our mission is to ameliorate the plight of undocumented students. So we really believe in that, that we you know, must make policy change, law change, and create rising organizers because I'm not the movement. We're all the movement, right? If I die, the movement will still continue. And if something happens to me, the movement's still going to go forward. So we really think of ourselves in the higher um, realm of things where the movement needs to keep going until we achieve that immigration reform, not only for youth, but also our immigrant parents and our families. Mm-hmm. And so um, through the California Dream Network, there's a summer program, there's a summer academy, and I became an intern there. And I was taught how to organize. I mean, my first protest was against Trump at the Lux Hotel on in Beverly Hills. And what I went this? to... This was when he was running, 2015. Okay. Yeah. And I went there and I, I was like, what? I actually have rights. What do you mean? Like, I actually can exist in this country. Like, I don't know. It was just like a life changing event for me. And the organizers there taught me, you know, how to come to terms with story of self. That's why I said, okay, I'll tell my story of self in the beginning. Because we, we were taught to unravel the undocumented identity and come to terms with the trauma that mm-hmm. we endure every single day. Because, you know, now... All the dis- all this discrimination and racism and everything is coming to the surface, mm-hmm. but this has been our reality yes. for years since yeah. I was mm-hmm. here, right? And we refuse to go back in the shadows. Like I already did my time in the shadows, and I'm not going back. So through the California Dream Network, uh, we empower students to make change on their campuses, right? But still coming back to mm-hmm. the movement statewide and i i mean my life changed and i was inspired to go back to school to get a master's um, because i really wanted to help these nonprofits that have such a honorable noble social mission and uh, i i got accepted to usc usc was asking for five years of experience in the nonprofit sector and all I had was eight weeks, <laughs> which was yeah. um, through the California Dream Network. But I knew that was what I wanted to do for the rest of my life. And so I applied and I was like, I only have eight weeks <laughs> of experience, but this is what I want to do for the rest of my life. And thank God I was accepted. And so I finished in May. How long was your program? It was a year. Okay. It was what did you study? Sorry. Master of Nonprofit Leadership no. and Management. So I graduated when I was 22 and Jesus, yeah so it was really it was really cra- it was crazy there was only six of us um in the so it's the acronym is mnlm mnlm so mouthful and i just graduated in may and um i was offered the position of statewide organizer for the california dream network and to me it was just the biggest gift that i was have ever held in my provide hands. yes, yes. you yeah, do put in the work but Maybe. let's let's what is what does that title mean? What is this? So a statewide mean? organizer. Wow. Um, so I really have to be the face for undocumented students in the fight that we're going through right now with DACA um, and with this administration, really. So through the California Dream Network, you know, my job is to keep creating leaders that are going to keep being self-sustainable for the next three years. Because this has only been about seven months of this administration. It feels like a thousand years. <laughs> and you can already see the burnout rate of these different, you know, youth, right, of, of, of people that have become so disillusioned with this uh, election. So my job is to really, like, breathe life into the new upcoming organizers so that we can keep going for the long because we're long distance runners as organizers we're long distance runners in in terms of 
um, you know, pushing for change and, and keep being resilient to all the different just endings of hopes that we tend to get all the time. And so I'm still figuring out what bulletproof man. Yeah, for real. Yes, you gotta become bulletproof man. I'm still figuring out, um, you know, what it means to me for me to be the face of such a huge movement. But and I I just started working in June at Chirla through the California Dream Network, and I mean, so far I've learned I, I've grown so much, and I've come to become even stronger because I really can't I don't have the opportunity to say like okay now i'm not gonna come into work today because i don't feel good because all this horrible stuff is happening mm -hmm. around us like i really need to get up and still let these people know like no we still have rights and we're going to push for a permanent solution what now. is what does your day look like oh my god um <laughs> <laughs> so um I mean, if this was a different administration, oh my gosh, it would be so different. Partying every day. Uh, <laughs> 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 it would be like just a lot of uh, community education yeah. to have uh, these schools join the California Dream Network. But and you could be proactive rather than reactive. Oh, like you yeah. ha now, you have to be so defensive oh, rather yeah. than being like, oh, "Okay, we're here. We got this. Let's let's oh, no. come, you know, come up with a nice game plan." Yeah, yeah. no, we're playing offense all the time yeah. now. Um, yeah. So, I mean. Trump always showed his true colors yeah. since last year. Yeah, he well, said since he, the very beginning, I think. Yeah, you know, since like forever. since since birther became a thing. <laughs> yeah. Well, since he said that um, he was going to end DACA. Yeah. Like our battle should have started the moment he said that, and you know, a lot of us just didn't take him seriously take, and yeah and it's like i you know i always understood the the threat i always understood his words but i just feel like it didn't click in a lot of our communities right it didn't it was just like oh no he would never do that and it's like we should well, have I been working I, I think that that's, that was people's thoughts about a lot of things yeah and people became really complacent right yeah and it sucks because now we have to like you know retrace our steps and say yeah man we became complacent like we should have been working okay like there was literally a time where we like didn't think that this was possible oh, yeah. you know what i mean where this is a farthest thing from reality yeah, um I agree. and i think there were like a lot of mis like it, it was just it's crazy to, to feel like there was a normal life before this <laughs> yeah oh man uh, stay off facebook man yeah <laughs> So now, drain you. now a lot of the work that we should have started, um, you know, is backlogging that work and like, you know, catching up to what we have to do now. Um, so a day for me, I mean, it starts like at 5 a.m. with a lot of interviews. A lot of the media wants to talk to me as the face of the movement, right, of um, the network. Um they they're always trying to you know do a lot of yellow journalism like how fearful are you of what's going to happen it's like we're not fearful and even if we were feel what is, fearful what's yellow? oh like they just want to like they want to have like a, a quote-unquote dreamer on the uh, they want to have a certain narrative right yeah, yeah. yeah on the front face news like dreamers fear for their life as daca ends like i'm and sure they quote you sound what is it called when they yeah. when they like fear tactic right yeah yeah, it's yeah. Not true. I mean, yeah. It's not so true. And even if there was fear in our community, like that's something that we deal with personally in our close circles with people who understand us. Right. It's not for us to be clickbait, clickbait and, you know, you know, have a soft story like out in the front news. And that's why we really train the people who come in in the California Network, California Dream Network to talk to the media. Right. Where we have to be strong. If we're going to cry, we're going to do it off camera. And we really train them to not to be super thick on their um, on their skin 
to know you know what the media is trying to ask for them and it's not like it's you know the media is bad or anything but it's just that we also need to stand our ground you because our you need to be aware you need to be you need to know what yeah. you, there's always an agenda yeah and i think it's empowering for everybody to know how to tell tell their story like you said yeah. and to also know how to talk about the issues right. you know like you you can't really change anybody's mind and have like a productive conversation if you are not comfortable with the words that you're saying mm-hmm. so it's very very important to, to mm-hmm. allow people to like stand up for themselves yeah. and like know what they're talking about yeah and that's one of the jobs that i have as an organizer to teach them how to do that because we're going to be in the eye of the media uh, so, Chirla, so what really what uh what uh what outlets have reached out to you oh i mean <laughs> i mean everybody you guys get calls every day uh yeah and which ones do you reject and which ones do you um if they don't say if you don't want if to, they seem well if they seem like the media if they seem like genuinely interested in like actually telling our stories with the way that we want to tell them you know which is empowering people like not sugarcoating it like uh, you know talking about the lawsuit that was brought together by these 10 state attorney generals but also telling people that we're not fearful that you know we're here to help you we're here to empower you we're here to teach you your rights um we we will we will be open to that but uh you know if we see that that they're just you know trying to have like a fear uh rhetoric behind it like you know we really don't don't want to have that and at the same time we understand you know we respect we respect people who do want to talk about their stories and people who don't. So we really try to work with individuals to prepare them and, and be ready for, for the media. Um, so that's, that's you know, how my day starts because they have to do their stories in the morning. Um, but later on, I usually have a lot of events where I'm teaching people their rights and I do it through my interns. So I had 18 interns this summer um, with the California Dream Network. So it was our summer academy and it was amazing because it was my first time leading the program. And I uh, I was I was worried. I was just thinking like, OK, if I invest all this time in them and then, you know, they get a lot of experience, but they don't come back to help us like I have failed as an organizer and I, I it was great i mean they're they're still coming back i was able to yeah (laughs) (laughs) i was able to inject in them like the passion that i have you know the mission of of the california dream network i was able to show them that we really need to rise up right now and i was able to have them see the vision like this paradise that I'm talking about, even though it, it's so grim sometimes right now with this administration. And so they're going to make change in their campus, but still come back to the network. So a lot of my time is invested in, in, in uh, putting time and effort and energy into these people who want to learn more about their rights. And they're both uh, undocumented and U.S. citizens. We call them allies. So they're both undocumented and allies. And then a lot of it also is just a lot of planning. Like everything that we do, all the all, oh, we just had a protest last Tuesday. We had about mm. five thousand people in downtown that was led by Chirla. Um, there was another protest on Sunday. It was another group uh, we were there to support. But last Tuesday's protest, right after the announcement was made on DACA, I mean, there was it was overwhelming. It was five thousand people showing up to defend DACA. Uh, we did a caravan on August fifteenth, also where we knocked on. Um, different republicans doors and you know asked for their support none of them opened the door mccarthy knight and valadeo but we we did the caravan so it's a lot of movement and it's a lot of planning for these movements and people need to understand that all these movements are planned you know that it's okay to come out and protest like we have the right to do that and um, you know we're not gonna get arrested like if you're planning a civil disobedience where you get arrested that's different but that's also planned but most mm-hmm. of these protests are just protests rallies in support of these programs and at chirla 
on the California Dream Network, we give you all the tools beforehand. So you know what we're doing in the protest. You know the point of being there. And um, this Thursday, we're actually having a, a protest at uh, Beverly Hills, at the Beverly Hilton Hotel, because Mike Pence and his Republican friends are coming to fundraise money in our backyard. So <laughs> yeah, so we're doing that uh, work with uh, this, um, with Chila and other organizations, um, the Chila Action Fund. Um, which is the advocacy arm of Chirla. And so we're going there to protest and really make our presence be known, right? That, you know, this is California. Like, how dare you come <laughs> into a progressive state and, <laughs> and fundraise money in our backyard? Because oh, there's a lot of people who have money here. That's right. And we have we also have a list of people who support who are supporting them. Really? Yes. I don't have the list, uh, but we, we, we do Yeah, we'll upload it. We'll put it on a note. Yeah, know, where you're, know who to you. not give your money right, to. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So, the, the, so it's a lot of planning for Thursday, right? So for these protests. Um, and... For example, you know, like uh, when Rosa Parks didn't um, stand up, like that was all planned. Like they had like thousands of flyers ready to go. Yeah, they, it was a point in time where you know that was their their just explosion of of movement, right? To 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 bring people out, to agitate people, and so we do a lot of planning with Chirla as as you know as an organizing as an organizing team um, to make change for these next six months um, before DACA ends officially. Uh, we were pushing very, very hard for the DREAM Act, mm-hmm. which is the federal DREAM Act, not to be confused with the California DREAM Act. The federal DREAM Act is basically like DACA 2.0, DACA on steroids, like whatever, you name it. Uh, it would eventually grant a path to citizenship um, to more people than who qualified for DACA. So um, a lot of folks didn't qualify for DACA uh, because they may have missed the mark by like six months of coming in or so. But the Federal Dream Act would allow way more people to qualify and it would eventually grant citizenship. Mm-hmm. After about 13 years, so I'll probably be like 30-something. Um, <laughs> but it's a step in the right direction because it's bipartisan. And it's a permanent solution. Is this something that has already been drafted, or is this an idea that exists right now? It has now? been drafted. Okay. Um, it has been. There have been uh, different versions before. Yeah. This is a brand new version, but the the rhetoric around this one is that um, we don't want to be bargaining chips. So we don't want the bill to be loaded with criminalization, mm-hmm. with enforcement, infrastructure for the wall. Yes, how, how that's a big that? thing. How do you prevent that? It's just the conversation. It's just the conversation that sure. we're gonna have to keep having moving forward. Like, you know, how far are we willing to go? You know, as the bill changes and it's yeah. edited. But as of right now, as it stands right now, it's clean. And, you know, we really want to keep pushing for the clean uh, bill. Um, you know, it's about putting pressure on Congress, on these different Republicans who are up for election next year. It's uh, about, you know, getting up and getting involved. So if, you know, you want to get involved, you can uh, visit Chirla, um, chirla.org, S, I'm sorry, C-H-I-R-L-A dot org um to get more involved with um, a lot of the movements that we're going to have a lot of the pressure on these different politicians that we're going to be having for the next six months and because now it's all about coming together right now we have a quote-unquote common enemy all these nonprofits, all these organizations like everybody should just work together <laughs> and, and and push for that permanent solution um at the same time you know we really don't want to forget that 11 million undocumented immigrants in the country so we really need to be pushing for a permanent solution for them a comprehensive immigration reform you know a lot of the talk has focused on youth and it's not just us it's It's not not just youth and students and you know 
It's yeah. about 11 million people. And only 800,000 of them were, were under DACA. Yeah. So, I mean, that's over 10 million people that still didn't even really have a solution, mm-hmm. um, even with DACA in place. But they, they, don't have a, they don't have a paper trail, right? That is, is no, they, they didn't, like, self-register like the people that did DACA did. Because that, that's the fear, right? The, is that there's a paper trail now. Now you have, for now DACA they know students. where you are, right? For DACA yeah. students. Yeah, and that's another thing that we have to keep pushing for, um, to protect the information that was given in good faith to this administration. Mm-hmm. I mean, how horrible would it look if the promises that were made to get DACA are just completely turned? We around? just want to know where you live so that we can right. come get you in two years, exactly. three years, whatever. And, yeah. and then so people um, whose permit expires after March fifth, twenty eighteen cannot renew so they cannot renew if your permit expires before march 5th 2018 you have from now by october 5th to send in your renewal they uh you know already have your information right so it's just about renewing it but we can you do that online is that something you no, can do online no, you, no, have you have to, to come in have person to, you have to go, go into person. an office right yes you have to come okay. in person um with someone who is accredited um <clears throat> is this a, this is a government office? I'm uh, we or, you or can come to no, Chile is doing the applications for free for people oh, who cannot okay. afford the four hundred ninety five dollar fee. There's a lot of fundraising going on right now um, for DACA renewals. To put it into perspective, uh, ten thousand dollars covers five DACA renewals. So there's only five DACA renewals. So there's a lot of um, there's a lot of need um, for people to to keep to coming. donate. Yeah, yeah, to keep coming. Um, to to get their permits um, to get their DACA renewed um, but then again if your permit expires after March 5th 2018 you should still come for a legal consultation to see if there's another chance where you can somehow fix your status but you know they need to come Chirla uh, has legal consultations Tuesdays Thursdays and Saturdays at 8 a.m. And we'll be more than happy to help you. And even if we cannot help you, uh, we can direct you to someone who will. Mm-hmm. And But people need to come out and seek that legal advice. If it's not with Chirla, it could be any other nonprofit that offers these legal services. Okay. Mm-hmm. Cool. Um, yeah, I mean, we're, we're almost out of time. But I do want to know what what's the plan? What's next? For <laughs> six, three months, six months, a year, yeah. two years. Give us give us a breakdown. Yeah. Um, so immediately um, for these next six months is to push for the um, Federal DREAM Act because it's a permanent solution, a clean Federal DREAM Act. Okay, um, that is our, our focus right now. Um, it, the focus is for people to get involved. Once you get involved with organizations like Chirla and the California Dream Network, you know, we really empower you on how to make a change, whether that's like flooding the White House with calls and support, because it, it really does work. Mm-hmm. Um, flooding like different uh, politicians' offices, um, becoming part of networks that give support to DACA recipients and completely undocumented families. I mean, it's about getting involved for the next six months because at the same time, if something, you know, if this information were to be used against us or anything like that, then we also need to know our rights, Mm -hmm. right? So it's about doing all this uh, community education for people to know their rights, for people to know what to do, um, you know, in case they're targeted. Um, it, and then that's only going to ma- be possible through a community effort. If people rise up, and especially undocumented people who may be listening to me right now, <laughs> that you still have rights, um, but you, you must stand up. Like, it is time to come out now and, and for the um, for the remaining time that we have with this administration. Um, so those are really it. Like, uh, Federal DREAM Act, 
and um, getting involved. You know, once you come to us, we give you all the tools to empower you. We work with you and we also try to heal you. We also try to turn everything bad that you may be feeling into something positive, into action and changing your perspective of what's going on right now. Okay. I don't know if you had any other tips mm. for next steps. For next steps, I think um, I think just to continue, like don't um, don't allow yourself to be so frustrated um, and so burnt out that you become complacent. Um, it's never time to, you know, and like, you know, self-care is important and take a day off. But once you take that day off, like get right back into it um, because it doesn't affect just these people who have these status, you know, like um, if these people's rights can get taken away, then all of our rights are threatened, you know, and injustice anywhere is a threat to justice everywhere. So, um, yeah, I guess that's my biggest recommendation. Um, and if you know people who, um, are fearful right now, offer them your support and, and find ways to build community. I'm just here to learn. Um, yeah any other any other any other suggestions anything else that you have for Um, our listeners any resources that they can go to yeah you know besides cheer lab where they can get it stay informed yeah uh, what we can do you know as you know as allies yeah oh thank you consider yourself an ally now i i made you an ally in the last hour (laughs) that's good i was born an ally (laughs) (laughs) that's really good i hope so um and so face, uh, Chirla does have a Facebook, Chirla USA, and the California Dream Network has a Facebook too, CA Dream Network. Uh, if you can give us a like, that would be awesome. So you can stay up to date with all the different protests that we're having, all the different movements that we're having. Um, Chirla.org is our web- website. Um, there are other organizations, the National Immigration Law Center, NILC. They have a lot of resources for frequently asked questions. Uh, so NILC.org, I believe, or .com, but N- ILC. They have the most up-to-date um, type of uh, resources where people can print them out and still, you know, use them for their communities. Um, there's other organizations like Carecen, the Central American uh, Resource Center. Um, they, they, they need a lot of help with TPS. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, they focus because it's a Central American issue, the TPS Temporary Protection Status. You know, it's about getting involved with them as well. Any nonprofit really that um, that works to you know put forward the uh, struggle of the immigrant community needs a lot of help. So anywhere <laughs> that you can research, uh, you you know you please go out and support um, for the for the next six months uh, and even after that, right? But push really hard because right now we're in a momentum where we're reacting to what happened with DACA. Keep it going. Keep it going. Mm-hmm. Like we must Don't keep stop, going. we yeah. must keep having these conversations. You know, anything that you learn from tonight's um show, keep having these conversations with our parents, uh, with our brother, sister, you name it, right? You need to have these conversations going. Um and then lastly, you know, just um support each other, become educated in, in the issues that are going on around us. Um this is a very long fight and it's just it's just going to you know become stronger and it's just going to be way more important to for us to keep coming out and if i can offer my help you know <laughs> i would love to give a hug to everybody what <laughs> any events that you're, any events coming well, anytime we soon the, we well, have well, the people can meet you maybe oh yeah well okay <laughs> you can meet me at chula 95 any day yeah. uh, <laughs> um 
And we have the protest on Thursday, Beverly Hills, um, at the Beverly Hilton at 5 p.m. Is there anything anything mm -hmm. happening for Independence Day? Uh, there's a Central American parade. I'll be there. Uh, is there, <laughs> there going to be any movement there? Oh, uh, n not that we have planned so far. Uh, it may be that the day before we plan something. What's it called? Um, the event? Uh, it's just a Central American parade. Okay. Independence okay. Day. September 15 is Friday. So I'm sure it'll happen like Saturday uh, for the parade. Uh, I'll be there uh, just because I'm Central American and <laughs> I want to celebrate and I also want to, you know, have a good day. I missed this entire <laughs> crazy world going on right now. Um, but moving forward also, uh, we do we will have a lot of forums, educational forums. Okay. And um, those can be found on Facebook, Chitla USA, because it's important for people to keep coming out to these forums and get the latest information. We also have community uh, education forums the third Wednesday of every month at Chitla. You can get that information online as well, where we update uh, any folk that, you know, that come in with, with, with what's going on um, this administration so it's just about having the will to keep getting informed having the will to continue looking for organizations that need your help and just showing up okay any 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 way to contact you yes uh <laughs> you can email me <laughs> melody k at chirla.org so that's m-e-l-o-d-y k at chirla.org and i'll be more than happy to give you any information uh, and you can also call us, 213-353-1333, 213-353-1333, to get the latest information of how you can help us or any other organization that works with our same mission. You scared? Scared? Are you? Of what? Of anything? No. Good. <laughs> Good. No, I'm not scared. I was scared. Um, you know, when I first found that I was undocumented, but that's no longer my reality. I was empowered, you know, through my community. I was empowered through my involvement and nothing to fear. Just a lot of passion, a lot of fire in my heart to keep fighting for immigrants for a just society. You got anything? Uh, I got a recommendation if we're ready for that. Yes, it okay. is. Okay. Um, so if you, um, have a, you know, itch to go see a movie this weekend, I really would recommend everyone go see Dolores. Um, it's a new documentary film about Dolores Huerta, who, if you don't know who she is, you need to reevaluate your life. Um, but she's one of the co-founders and leaders of the United Farm Workers Movement. She's a community organizer, does a lot of the work that Melody has been talking about today, about going out into the community and, um, getting people to know how to um, know their rights and how to protest and be active. Um, so I think it's a great inspiration for everybody. And I also think it's very important for everyone to see this film. I was trying to look up um, what theater it's at, but you can find out we'll where find it's it. playing we'll um, it. near you at um, DoloresTheMovie.com. So um, yeah, please, please go out and, and watch this film. It's important that we, we tell um, people that movies like this are important and that you learn about um, this amazing history and, and how um, activism and organizing really truly does make a difference in people's lives. Thank you for being here. Thank you for responding. Thank you for you know trusting us with your story. Mm -hmm. Thank you for sharing. Thank you.
everyone. Make sure to subscribe to us on iTunes or the Apple Podcast app or the Google Play Music app or wherever you get your podcasts and rate us five stars, please. We want to make sure that we can keep coming back and bringing you some awesome content. Also, be sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Talk and on Twitter at Talk one That's Talk with the number one. If you have any questions, concerns, comments, suggestions, or you just want to throw some shade at one of our panelists, make sure to write us at pocktalkpod at gmail.com. Or you can visit our website at pocktalkpod.com. Thank you for joining us and see you next time on Pock Talk. <laughs>